Pain Information Network. Well, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, <laughs> we have a opioid epidemic or crisis. But as I've talked in another podcast, I, it's not really that it's just an opioid epidemic. We have a pain epidemic, too. So where's the balance? And so questions come back about opioids. And so I'm going to reference Ed Salsitz. Um, he's a addictionologist at uh, Mount Sinai in New York City, and he's a really good speaker. So um, I'm just going to go through one of his lectures that I thought was really good and definitely uh, worth your time. This is more toward the provider level, but it's it's also good and interesting for others to listen to this stuff. So, um, you know, the, the thing about uh, opioids is they're complex, but they've been around for thousands of years, and they've been used in so many different ways, and uh, it's underappreciated at how fair it's just fairly recently that we have an opioid crisis when in fact heroin was used at the turn of the last century uh to calm kids and to uh help with cough it was developed by the bayer company the, the folks that brought you aspirin um and it was felt to kind of be a fix and it was also felt to help curb the uh, rising morphine abuse problem, but was wholly unsuccessful there. So anyway, this is the kind of way it, it, it evolved. And there's a big overlap between heroin and fentanyl and prescription op- uh, opioids. And, you know, heroin is one thing, but fentanyl is another Fentanyl is a big deal, and uh, it's a it's a rising problem, particularly in the cities. It's not uncommon to see heroin fentanyl overdoses. It's more so uncommon to see just heroin overdoses, and it's less common to see prescription opioid overdoses. But of course, they all happen. Let's go back for a few thousand years. Papaver somniferum, that's the opium poppy. You know, when the pretty red uh, color comes off the poppy and you slice the pod, that's where you get uh, the opium alkaloid. So morphine, that's, of course, an analgesic. It's uh, Morpheus, Greek of God of dreams. That's where it came from. That's about 14, 15%. Uh, codeine, 0.5. And Thebane, that's the buprenorphine base. Yeah, that's very low. That's about 1%. Papervine is a smooth muscle relaxant. And then, of course, as you go a little deeper, there's the poppy seeds. That's what you see on a bagel. And yes, although um, it, it's once thought to be urban legend, it is true. If you eat a bunch of poppy seeds, you can test positive for morphine. So, word of warning. Heroin use has exploded over the past 15 years. Um, and heroin-related overdose deaths are, are disproportionately high. This, there's stimulants. They're fairly low, sedative tranquilizers, and pain relievers. And it's felt that there are probably around 20,000 overdose deaths to uh 
drugs of abuse. Now, remember, you hear this number, 40,000, 50,000 drug overdose deaths. As I've said before, that's all drugs. That could be um, class of uh, hypertensives. It could be uh, NSAIDs. uh, The list goes on. So it's not just it's not just the opioid, okay? So as we're looking at the number of overdose deaths uh, in illicit opioids, uh, up to fairly recently, 2015, prescription opioids are kind of flattening out, but overdose from illicits is going up. That's not methadone. That's illicits. That's like heroin, synthetic opioids, fentanyl. So from the National Academy of Sciences, uh, 2017 report, the annual number of overdose deaths from prescription opioids nearly tripled, 1999-2011. Now, that's kind of flattened out, but illicit opioids is growing pretty fast. And it's usually those people that started with a prescription of an opioid and then morphed into the um, uh, illicit opioids. So as of 2015, 2 million Americans, and that's over age 12, uh, had an overdose use disorder, and 600,000 had an uh, overdose uh, use of a drug involving heroin. Cocaine's on the decline, but uh, benzos associated with opioids is on the rise. This is from the CDC, and so that's probably where the CDC guidelines started pushing. So I'm, I'm giving a lot of pushback to folks, and I think we all are now, that we don't prescribe benzos and opioids. But uh, folks, they get just so wholly um, dependent on, on benzos. They're really reluctant to try some of the other options that we have. Heroin is, interestingly, kind of flat. It's not rising as fast as all opioids. And I'm going to say all opioids because that's probably going to be the heroin component that is mixed with fentanyl. But interestingly, even though the the prescriptions are flattening out, prescription opioid deaths are still pretty high. And uh, heroin is on a spike up. So if you take a potency, and that's the strength, of morphine being one, it's kind of the gold standard. Fentanyl's about a hundred times more potent. Carfentanyl's ten thousand times more potent. And then there's the uh, uh, synthetic ones that are that are homemade, home built, and come from other countries. We don't even know anything about them. So if you look at all opioids, synthetic opioids like fentanyl and heroin are spiking, and that's leading to this look that says any opioid. And any opioid does not necessarily mean prescription opioids, just so we're clear on that. All right, a lot of this Ohio disaster has been talked about, about 100 cases where there was an overdose death. 99% of them had fentanyl in them, okay? Uh, Carfentanyl was really low. It was only three. But uh, uh, heroin wasn't that high. And so... It's probably going to be the combination, but the fentanyl-heroin combination is a big deal. So according to JAMA, things have changed. Uh, Heroin's come down. Prescription opioids, of course, we knew that's gone up 60s through uh, contemporary period. But men and women are now starting to be on equal ground. It used to be men. In the 60s, it was 80% of illicit users. Now it's about equal. It's about 50-50. 
And uh, same with uh, non-whites versus whites. The non-whites, regular opioid use seems to be going up much more disproportionately than the non-whites. So just be aware things aren't as always as we think they are. Okay, a review. These things are called ligands, and what that means is it's it's an activator. So beta endorphins, they activate the mu receptor. Mu means basically morphine. Enkephalins, delta, dynorphin, kappa, and nociceptin, uh, orphanin, uh, FQ, that's an ORL1. What they do is they hit on the cell membrane a G-protein-coupled receptor, and it starts a series of events. And the series of events, of course, involves a reward pathway from the ventral tegmental area to the nucleus accumbens. Now, what copacaine does is it stops the uptake of dopamine, so you get the euphoria. What these uh, opioids do is they go to the uh, G-protein, and through the process involving uh, adenylcyclase, ATP, CAMP, that's uh, adenosine triphosphate, to cyclic monoamine phosphate, uh, these uh, cellular events occur that involve protein kinase A, and then it goes to activated proteins that change the cellular milieu. GABA is involved. I don't want to get too far into the weeds. But the point is the periactoductal gray in the um, brain is where the analgesic activity is going to be. Now, mu receptors are basically everywhere. And then, you know, if you see somebody that use opioids a lot, they're scratching their nose. That's a histamine release. They're scratching, scratching, you know, because the receptors are activated. But what happens in the reward circuitry, it goes through the ventral tegmental area, uh, up through the nucleus accumbens to the prefrontal cortex, right next to the periaqueductal gray, and that's where uh, analgesic would be best targeted. Right in the middle there is something called the locus ceruleus, and that's a norepinephrine-mediated uh, 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 area, and that's what I call the cocaine center. You raise that norepinephrine. Some people, when they get their first dope, uh, dopamine uh, activation, like through a Percocet or whatever, they say, I feel normal <laughs> for the first time. And that's a dopamine-mediated reward pathway. In other words, they like opioids, and that's a big darn risk factor. So acutely, what happens is when the G receptor is activated, uh, the adenylcyclase drops, so does the cyclic AMP, and that decreases the protein kinase A, the PKA. Um, so the calcium channels open, inward potassium, Okay, that's fine, but then there's adaptability, and this is probably where physical uh, dependence and tolerance uh, turns its ugly head. Chronic use of these drugs does not decrease adenylcyclase. It increases it, increases cyclic AMP and PKA. So there's an adaptive response. Now, there's also this talk about the receptors getting uh, internalized or externalized. Morphine doesn't seem to internalize. But when they're internalized, um, that probably plays some role in tolerance as well. So the receptors uh, sneak into the cellular milieu. And, uh, okay, Uh, I'm going to round this out. I know this is a a bit dry, but there is what's called a full agonist. That would be like your normal uh, morphine, heroin. Uh, That would be the one that climbs up the mu receptor uh, activity uh, 
chart uh, to 100 percent and the partial agonist that would be like buprenorphine so it'll buprenorphine will stay around 30 percent of the mu receptor intrinsic activity and uh, the full uh, agonist will just keep climbing now of course there's uh, you know the these things have to get broken down um, there's a uh, breakdown on uh, natural opioids and semi-synthetics and it's important for anybody that prescribes these drugs to know the breakdown products so that when they order a urine drug screen, they know what they are. So, yeah, morphine uh, and codeine, they're broken down. And uh, what happens with codeine is it goes uh, broken down and it has a morphine-like activity. Um, you can see diacetylmorphine. Uh, uh, that would be heroin, uh, hydrocodone, etc. You need to just know those things. They're very important to know because you can misinterpret a drug screen, and it was actually a good drug screen with expected drug and expected metabolites. So <clears throat> codeine is a natural opium, okay? It's, uh, it has a very, very low affinity for the opioid receptor. And, of, co- it, of course, it's a prodrug. It has to be broken down. And then it has activity. It's about 10% uh, metabolized to morphine uh, via CYP2D6. And that's why it has analgesic, but it's, it's real weak. So if you have poor 2D6 activity, as many Northern European um, white folks do, uh, 5 to 10% don't even have 2D6 activity. The drug doesn't work. A lot can be said about hydrocodone there. So when some, a patient comes into you and they say, that drug doesn't work, it might be true. That drug does not work. So heroin, codeine, morphine, when they're broken down and you're looking at the UD6, um, you're looking at heroin with a very short half-life of its breakdown product, 6-MAM. That's a potent analgesic, but I mean, when you're using heroin, you just don't see that very often unless they just used it. Now, with uh, morphine, it has M, uh, M3G, uh, it's neuroexcitatory, and M6G. That's a potent analgesic with a long half-life. So be careful with those drugs in the ICU. All right. So the opioid effects are we know analgesia, euphoria, I feel great, sedation, I'm a little sleepy, GI constipation, nausea. Now, often overlooked is what happens to um, your neuraxal um, chemistry. Testosterone breaks down, you have increased prolactin, decreased FSH and luteinizing hormone. And in the urinary tract, you get urinary retention. You really do see it. Again, watch the ICU. Cardiovascular, vasodilation, increased QTC, very rare. Um, And you get uh, meiosis, or you get pinpoint pupils. Unless the respiratory rate really drops, the PO2 drops, P... CO2 goes up, then you get uh, dilate, dilated pupils. That, then you got a problem. you got to reverse them very quick. Be careful of drugs like uh, Demerol, which we don't see very often, and Tramadol, uh, because um, you can have seizure activity, particularly uh, if it's not metabolized well. And this really, really rare thing called non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema. Doesn't happen often, but... It can happen, so you just have to be aware of it. So what you do is you support them. Question comes up, do we write naloxone or get naloxone prescriptions to everybody? No, we don't. Um, I don't 
I don't think it's necessary. This overdose prevention kit can be very expensive or very cheap. It should be cheap. But it is part of the discussion you're going to have and the risk reduction through harms discussion, okay? So just just be aware of that. And interestingly, there is a case report about using buprenorphine uh, to throw somebody in a precipitated withdrawal to reverse them. I think that's interesting. But I've given a lot of naloxone to overdoses before. And believe me, you got to know, you really have to be careful with that drug. You can give it IM or IV, whatever, but if you're giving it IV and you slam in 0.4 followed by 0.8 milligram, you're going to precipitate withdrawal and they're going to come up swinging. It's best to put it in a drip, understanding the length of the uh, half-life of the drug or the drug itself is very important because they'll re-narcotize. Naloxone just doesn't last that long. So you might want to have a continuous drip for some of the really long-acting opioids like methadone. All right, so, all right, I think that's probably going to do it. Uh, I'm going to follow with more opioids as you so request, and I hope I didn't bore the stew out of you, but uh, uh, I'm I'm going to start doing a little more fun uh, lectures that I think are coming up. Uh, from my uh, library that I have. I still want to do the fentanyl, the founder of fentanyl, one of the founders of fentanyl, and car fentanyl. Um, and uh, we'll honor him posthumously. He uh, did pass away, but really smart guy. Great interview. Um, look forward to talking to you soon, paininformation.com. Please leave a review at, uh, uh, you know, iTunes if you could. I'd really appreciate it. It helps me rank. Uh, this algorithm that uh, Apple uses, I have no idea. But uh, we go up, we go down. Uh, it probably has to do with uh, uh, keywords. So if you've got some suggestion for keywords, uh, I'd love to hear it. And I'll talk to you soon.